And uh, on the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath day. Dave, I think there's a lot of confusion in the religious world about uh, how we interpret the Bible, especially in regards to the Old Testament, things that are taught in the, New, in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. And, of course, a lot of that centers on people's opinion of the Ten Commandments and specifically of the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath law and keeping the Sabbath day. And so that's our investigation on the virtual Bible study tonight. It should be an interesting discussion. We're looking forward to it. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll get started right after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome to the virtual bible study for thursday april 27th 2017 my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight we're glad to be with you and uh, glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight monty's behind the controls tonight monty welcome to the virtual bible study thank you jacob it's been good a, to be been here. a while Monty. a little bit that's all right, but you're not. You're you're still good. You're still feeling good behind the controls. I think I'll be fine. Yeah, getting it right back. And uh, we want to hear. Sort of like riding a bicycle. You never forget how to fall off. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven is the number to use if you'd like to talk with us on the program live tonight. Questions at collegeview.com is the way you'd contact us tonight and anytime twenty four seven. And if you're watching us live tonight at YouTube uh, or Facebook. Or on our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can sign in and chat with other listeners on the program tonight. We're looking forward to hearing from you. We'll remind you there's some bumper stickers left if you'd like to help us get the word out wherever you may reside with the marvels of the Internet. It doesn't matter where you live. You can help share the news about the program wherever you are, wherever you may be traveling. We have bumper stickers we'd like to provide you free of charge Send us your, an email address with your snail mail address, and we'll be glad to get one in the mail to you free of charge so you can help spread the word about the virtual Bible study because uh, this is a Bible study, and Bible studies are better when you have more comments. Uh, you, you conduct Bible studies on a regular basis, and it's always better when the audience is commenting. Exactly right. What if you had a Bible study and the person you were trying to study with just sat there mum and didn't say a word? It would be very hard to teach a Bible study like that. You need that. You need Class participation, and yeah. so that's so what we're looking for here. Spread the word and get uh, more students in the class uh, so we can participate. All right, uh, the topic at hand tonight. Jacob, uh, earlier today to our update list, we always encourage people to get on our update list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list, and we'll do that. And you'll get our Thursday update about midday, telling what our topic for discussion is going to be on that evening. Today, we sent out that update. And the general question, there was sort of an illustration and a general question, should we keep the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath day? I got uh, a couple of answers on our Facebook page, one from Christina that said yes, one from Terry that said yes. And so their basic answers to that question were yes. Keep, uh, keep the Ten Commandments. Keep the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath okay. day. All right. Now, uh, our answer, I, I'm going to go ahead and spill the beans early, Jacob. Our answer is going to be no. 
we are not to be keeping the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath day. Okay. And we had one other uh, response on our Facebook page from Elvis who said things that are written aforetime are written for our learning, not for our obedience. And so he says, there's your answer to that. Okay. All right. So we, we've got a difference already being expressed on our Facebook page. Some saying, yes, we should keep the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath day law. And others saying, no. Uh, but as I said, uh, not to cause people to tune out because they already got our answer, but our answer is going to be no. We are not to be keeping the Ten Commandments in the Sabbath day, and we want to explain that. All right. 877-381-4567 is what uh, the, you would call to talk to us tonight or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Earlier today in my inbox, it's sort of unusual how it works like this, but every Thursday I get an email from you with a topic and some questions for uh, my consideration. And... Uh, I got those in my. Did you get those in your inbox, Monty? I got them also. All right. It's amazing how that works. It's, it's consistent. It's, it is consistent. I like that. Yeah. All right. So, what about those so, questions? So, here were the questions we asked. Number one, what was the origin of the Ten Commandments? To whom was this law given? Was that law intended to be permanent? Okay. Number two, if anyone suggests that the Ten Commandments have been abolished, and that's what we're going to suggest, we're going to show that in a minute. Okay. But if anybody suggests that the Ten Commandments have been abolished, these questions immediately arise. How would you answer these objections? If the Ten Commandments have been abolished, is it okay to kill, lie, steal, etc.? The okay. things, some of the things that the Ten yeah. Commandments against. Or what about Jesus? Jesus kept the Ten Commandments. Shouldn't his followers keep that law also? Uh, okay. And there was a distinction. And here's another argument, a little more technical. We'll have to get into this a little bit more in our study. There was a distinction between the ceremonial moral aspects of the law of Moses. The ceremonial has been abolished, but the moral, including the commandments, remains in force. That's an argument that some people make, and we'll try to answer that. Yeah. Okay. Then about the Sabbath day specifically, we ask, when did the observance begin? Who was it for? What was its purpose? What are some of the rules for the Sabbath day? What was the penalty for violating those Sabbath day rules? And then... From the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, we read lots of times where he went into the synagogues on the Sabbath day and he preached the gospel. Doesn't that prove that Christians should observe the Sabbath? All right. And finally then, what is the authorized day of worship for Christians? Ah, that's a good question. we got a lot of questions to cover. We're going to have to move pretty fast. Lots of ground to talk about tonight, and uh, we'll need to hear from you, though, to help with that discussion. All right, for the first question. The origin. Uh, I'm trying to get our video up here. Do you not have the video up? All right. Well, now now I do. Now I do. Now I do. Okay. Okay. All right. So the origin, uh, Jeff says the origin was God. The origin of the Ten Commandments was God. Well, I have to agree with Jeff on that one. Well, that would certainly be true. Um, We ask, if we just ask where, what was the origin of the Ten Commandments, we would say it was from God. But being a little more specific than that, we would say it was given by God. Uh, to Moses uh, on Mount Sinai as the children of Israel were coming out of Egyptian captivity. That is correct. Uh, and, go ahead. And we got some, we got we would go back to the Old Testament, obviously, Book of Exodus, obviously. Um, in verse uh, chapter thirty-four, beginning verse twenty-seven, mm-hmm. the Lord said to Moses, "Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel." And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Okay. And so there's where it there's where it began. 
I think it's very important to know it was not before that. There was a good bit of human history prior to Moses meeting God on Mount Sinai and receiving this covenant. But in particular, it needs to be stressed that this was the covenant that God made with Israel. Now, Israel were the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. They were the children of Israel. They were the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We know that story. The Old Testament tracks their history. But just to make an obvious point, Monty, you're not a descendant of Abraham, and I'm not either. And that being the case, that first passage would seem to imply that this probably doesn't apply to me. I'm not a child of, of, of Abraham. Well, we're also not, you and I, neither one are proselytes of the Jewish faith because people from outside that could become Israelites, so to speak, by being becoming proselytes and enjoining themselves to that. But we haven't done that either. So in any way, shape, form, or fashion, that wouldn't apply to us. I think that's right. Now, on uh, the tables of stone, the two tables of stone, or tablets of stone, God wrote, correct? Correct. Now, that's found in Exodus 34, verse 28. In 34, verse 28, and he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. That'd be tough for you, money. Yep. Uh, but he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant. The Ten Commandments were written on the tables of stone. Exactly right. Deuteronomy 4, verse 13, he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform even Ten Commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone. Okay. That's where this all came from. That That's, that's where this originated. But you just got to observe that the Ten Commandments were a part of this covenant that God made with Israel. There was, there's a lot more to it. There was a lot more to the law of Moses than just the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments were part of that covenant Those with Israel. Those two terms are used interchangeably there in Exodus 34, verse 28, as well as uh, verse uh, 13 of Deuteronomy chapter 4. Yeah. All right. So. so Good. No, go ahead. Now, some would say, well, you know, God wrote those on stone. That means when well, you write something on stone, that's permanent. That, that that's uh, never going to pass away. I don't know if you could make that conclusion or not. That's what some people will. I, I actually had not heard that argument before, but you'd have to have some verification of that conclusion, I think, in order to in, in order to make that stand. Uh, if if they were forever, and if the if the writing on stone proved it to be so, then probably we ought to have those tables of stone somewhere where we could lay hands on them. And those have long since been lost to history. Uh, well, the first set, Moses busted up. Uh, for, Moses broke the first set. Uh, and despite movies which have been made indicating that they could be discovered in the world's day, they never have been. All right, now, it's important for us to understand that these two terms are used interchangeably. The Ten Commandments and the Covenant are used interchangeably. The Ten Commandments were a part of that covenant. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, is an important passage then as we get into this understanding of the fact that these Ten Commandments were written on the tables of stone. They were part of the covenant in verse 7 of Deuteronomy, or 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones, so these Ten Commandments of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. This covenant, which the Ten Commandments were part of, this covenant that was written on the tables of stone, was glorious. But it says there in Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, not only was it a ministry of death, 
but its glory was passing away. The, the glory of this covenant was passing away. It wasn't intended ever to be a permanent covenant because that glory was passing away. Uh, it's very clear there that the, New, the Old Testament covenant was not designed to be a permanent arrangement. I think that's right. I think, uh, I think as I'm trying to... What do you think's right? What I said or the, the, the video? Right. Uh, I'm having trouble with the video. Oh, okay. I'm, the afraid, video right. I'm afraid our right. video has stalled. Maybe we might be getting... Monty, your thoughts? Well, you know, in Luke chapter 16, verse 16, it says that the law and the prophets worked until John, and since that time the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. So Jesus was making a distinction between, even right then, between the old law and when it was binding basically up to, and that since John came, that the kingdom was being preached and people were going into it, basically coming from out of the law and going into the kingdom. So Jesus made a distinction there and told us that basically it was being done away with. All right. It uh, was certainly uh, that uh, there has been a change. Again, we have to note that the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament covenant are used interchangeably. The Ten Commandments were a part of that Old Testament. I think our video is okay. I got some, just got some uh, note from some people who are watching. Name, uh, give a shout out to, Jonna in Oregon. Hey, Jonna. Uh, got Mike, Sandra, um, and Tina, who are watching here in Columbia, Tennessee. Uh, Hello, everyone in Columbia, Ramona, Tennessee. And th- Ramona is in. She's in, in Texas. Texas. Yes, she so is. She's listening. Hey, and, and Sean, I'm not sure where Sean's at, but he's listening. Cody uh, is in Brewston, Tennessee, watching. So we got a lot Brewston, of people uh, watching on Facebook tonight, and we're glad to have you glad all there. Glad to have you there. Thank you for coming. A number of people tonight. are apparently watching on our website yep, as well. In, if you're wherever you are, how about a roll call in the chat rooms tonight? Let us know that you're out there. All right, it's time for a break. When we get back, we'll continue the discussion. Uh, were the, uh, the Ten Commandments uh, specifically, and the, the covenant with the children of Israel in particular, in more generic terms? Were those intended to be permanent? Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Are you listening? Hi, this is Jordan Sanders from College View Church of Christ, and here's some thoughts for you today. Have you ever wondered why there never seems to be enough time to get everything done? Well, we may not have the answer. According to an article in U.S. News, an average American in his lifetime will spend six months at a stop sign, eight months opening junk mail, one year looking for misplaced items, two years unsuccessfully trying to return telephone calls, five years waiting in the line, and six years eating. Other recent studies suggest that we will spend as much as 20 years watching TV and even more time sleeping. Now, to put this in proper perspective think of this if you attend every service of church sunday bible study sunday morning and evening worship and wednesday night bible study you will spend only about 1.5 years total that's only slightly more time than you will spend looking for misplaced items and only about twice as much time as you will spend opening junk mail but some christians will not even do this much over and over again we return to hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together god commands us to assemble why 
the context of this verse clearly shows that it is for our benefit. Are you taking advantage of this great blessing, Christian? How are you using your time? If you don't regularly attend all of the services, you may be spending more time opening junk mail than worshiping God. Isn't that a terrifying thought? Here's some quotes worth pondering. Sadly, there are some people who can't add, but they can certainly distract. Do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. The best thing about the future is that it comes only one day at a time. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight as we talk about the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath. Are they still in uh, force today? Should we still be observing the Ten Commandments? And should we still be observing the Sabbath today? Well, we, we have... Uh, we've gotten started on this discussion by simply pointing out that the the Ten Commandments and all of the law of Moses was a part of a covenant given by God through Moses to the children of Israel. Uh, and it was never for all people. Even when it was initially given, it was never for all people. It was specifically for those immediate physical descendants of Abraham. Now, what we could add to that is even to them, it was pointed out that it was never intended to be a permanent covenant. Okay. I think this has really got to be stressed. In Jeremiah 31, the, the prophet Jeremiah said, Behold, the days come. This is Jeremiah 31, beginning verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob, or excuse me, with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Now, there's no question there who he's talking about. He's, he's talking about he's, it's not going to be like the first covenant. He identifies the first covenant. That covenant was the one that he gave when he took them out of Egypt. That's okay. the one that he gave Moses on Mount Sinai. He said, I'm going to make a new covenant. It won't be like that covenant that I gave him Moses. And then he says, this shall be the sign, uh, the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So Jeremiah was prophesying hundreds of years before Christ, but he was prophesying at a time when a new covenant was going to come. It wouldn't be the same old covenant. It wouldn't be like the old covenant. It was going to be a different covenant. Okay. Now, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7, it says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, what's the first covenant? The covenant he made with Moses, yep. through Moses, on Mount Sinai, with Israel. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. The Hebrew writer is referencing Jeremiah's prophecy. Right. Uh, he said there, the, the first covenant wasn't perfect in all that it could do for people. It identified sin, but it didn't provide a permanent solution for sin. There was a problem with the first covenant. Finding fault with it, he says, the days are coming when I'll make a new covenant. Clearly, that Old Testament covenant given by God through Moses to Israel on Mount Sinai was permanent. Right. And then a very important set of verses is in Colossians 2, beginning verse 14 blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So these these ordinances were a problem because, as I said, they identified sin, but they didn't solve the problem of sin. He, and they were taken out, notice, taken out of the way, nailed to the cross. And he goes on to say, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or the new moons or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. 
So since Jesus nailed that to the cross, then people weren't to be judged as to whether they were keeping the aspects of that law. Of the Old Testament covenant. But, uh, Again, remember, the covenant and the Ten Commandments are used interchangeably. The Ten Commandments were part of the covenant. Can't separate the two. Yeah. As we noted in Deuteronomy 4, verse 13, and Exodus 34, verse 28, those two are synonymous. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments are a part of that Old Testament covenant, which taken away. And then as he enumerates there in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, he talks about not uh, letting people judge you in respect of meat or in drink or respect to a holiday or a new moon. Those weren't part of the Ten Commandments. Those were part of the bigger covenant. But notice the Sabbath days, part of that Old Testament covenant, the Ten Commandments. Exactly right. All right. Um, did you catch Philip's command, uh, I did not. Uh, comment in the chat Hebrews room? Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 17 is referenced by Philip in the chat room. Thank you, Philip. He quotes, and for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant. New covenant? Not the old covenant anymore. We've got a new one. Uh, by means of death, for the redemption for the tra- of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator, for a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Thank you, Philip, for those. I think that's really important. It's a new covenant. He's the he's the, the mediator of a new covenant. Jesus is not the mediator of the old covenant, but of a new covenant. And, right. it, and that passage clearly shows that that new covenant came into force at his death. Okay. And that, so when Jesus died, a new covenant came into force. All of this fits together. It all harmonizes. The old covenant was a ministry of death, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, and it was engraved in stones, on stones. Well, that's the Ten Commandments are part of that, that were engraved in, on stones. Therefore, they must have been part of that ministry of death, which was fading away in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. On Facebook, Sean says the Ten Commandments were to show us that we need a Savior. Jesus says he fulfilled the law. I, I think that's true. I think all of the Old Testament served a, a valuable purpose. I, and we wouldn't want anyone to misunderstand it. We valued, cherished the Old Testament and its important role. And it clearly identified sin and, uh, as Sean said, identified the need of a Savior. But it could not ultimately and permanently satisfy the uh, uh, the, the problem of sin. And in fact, the problem of sin, even for those who lived under that first covenant, was not satisfied uh, until Jesus came. I think maybe in that set of verses you just read, uh, yeah, uh, in the passage that Philip mentioned from Hebrews 9, starting verse 15, he, he, he died for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. Yeah, even even those who lived by that covenant were still in anticipation of that Savior, and and their problem with sin wasn't solved until the Savior came. And we benefit from the Old Testament as well, as you mentioned, because we see this. We learn the same lessons the children of Israel learned in realizing the need for a Savior by looking at the account of the Old Testament in Galatians chapter three, verse nineteen. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come, to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Uh, now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the Scripture has confirmed, confined all under sin, that the promise of faith, by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under law, uh, kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which should after be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. So we might be justified by faith, but after the faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. That's pretty clear. We're, it was a tutor, and we're no longer under the tutor. 
And I just cut Philip off because he was just sending that in in the chat room as well, Galatians 3, okay, 24, good. 25. Thanks, thanks. All right. Um, well, we've got some problems then. You're telling me that the Ten Commandments and all of the law of Moses, but in particular the Ten Commandments, they've been abolished, nailed to the cross of Jesus. Very graphic terminology uh, that yeah, Paul no, used no in Colossians 2, uh, yeah. uh, Colossians 2.14. So are you telling me then that if the Ten Commandments have been abolished, it's okay to kill, lie, steal, commit, uh, kill, lie, cheat, steal, commit adultery, you know, thou shalt not kill was one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Uh, you know, thou shalt not steal. So are you telling me that if that's been abolished, it's okay to do those things? Monty, what do you say? Well, when you study the Bible at the beginning, even in Genesis, it's never been okay to do those things. Right. The law of Moses was just a, a, a law given to a specific specific people reiterating that those things were not all right to do. God told Cain he was wrong when he killed Abel. It was already against the law to lie and steal and cheat and do all these things we mentioned. For everybody already, this law of Moses was just given another iteration of that. Those same rules was just reinforced to a specific set of people along with some other aspects of the covenant. Given. So you're saying that uh, the, these these principles or concepts, many of them, most all of them, were already from the beginning from, uh, had been acknowledged as something that God wanted man to live by. For us, even I think probably even more so significant is that they're repeated. The, the concepts, if not verbatim, at least the concepts of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament. I've got a list. I'm going to run through this real quick. And if anybody wants me to send it to you, send me an email to questions at collegeview. Dot com, and I can send you this list that enumerates the concepts of the, that are repeated in the New Testament. Number one, no other gods, Acts 14, 15. No, uh, number two, commandment number two, do not serve idols, 1 John 5, verse 21. Number three, do not take God's name in vain, James 5, verse 12. Number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There's no New Testament repeat of that. Yeah. In fact, it said don't let someone judge you in terms of that. So number four is not there. One, two, three is there. Number five, honor thy father and mother, Ephesians 6, verses 1 and 2. Do not kill. Uh, Commandment number six, do not kill, Romans 13, verse 9. Commandment seven, do not commit adultery, Romans 13, verse 9. Number eight, do not steal, Ephesians 4, 28. Commandment number nine, do not bear false witness, Colossians 3, verse 9. Commandment 10, do not covet, Colossians 3, verse 5. And what we find as we thoroughly examine the New Testament is that the concepts of the Ten Commandments are all repeated in the New Testament with the exception of Commandment 4, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Now, I hope people will listen very carefully here. What we're saying is we ought to keep the Ten Commandments all but number 4, not because they are the Ten Commandments, not because they were given to Moses on Mount Sinai, not because God wrote them on tables of stone, we ought to keep those laws because they are our law today. They are our law today as revealed in the New Testament. We don't obey those concepts because they were in the Old Testament. We obey them because they're repeated in the New Testament. All right. All with the exception of Commandment 4, remember the Sabbath day. It is uh, missing in the New Testament, and that is the covenant that we live under today. What do you think? Eight seven four five six seven. Any comments to catch before we take our break? Um uh, Sean, again, in, on the Facebook page, says Ten Commandments was put on a rock, stone. 
And it's amazing that Christ is the rock. He sees some, some oh, symbolism there. Maybe I never thought of that. Thank you, okay, Sean, for that. Thanks. All right. So let's get a break. When we get back, what about Jesus? I mean, we're supposed to be following Jesus. He's our we're and his he, disciple. And he, and he lived by that Ten Commandment law. So why not do the same thing Jesus if did? If we're his disciples. All right. We'll get a break. Get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we'll get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Have you ever studied with any of the Mormon missionaries that come calling at your door? Most of these young men carry the title elder, and they have devoted themselves to a two-year period of spreading their message door-to-door. Their zeal and dedication are commendable, but their message is full of error. Read Romans 10, beginning verse 1. Not only is the message that the Mormons teach wrong, so is their approach. As you probably know, the Mormons base their religion heavily upon the teachings of Joseph Smith. He was a man who lived in New York during the first half of the 19th century. He claimed to have received a special revelation from God. The details of how he supposedly received this revelation are all very strange. Smith proceeded to write several books. The most famous of these is the Book of Mormon. While the Mormons claim to believe the Bible, they argue that it has been corrupted over the centuries and that the writings of Joseph Smith represent a more accurate latter-day revelation from God. It seems obvious that there is a huge burden of proof that accompanies these claims. If the Book of Mormon and its companion writings are from God, then those who believe in them ought to be able to provide compelling evidence of their authenticity. After all, this is what we do when we meet someone who does not believe the Bible. In fact, we put a good deal of emphasis on studying evidences so we can answer those who question us about our faith. 2 Peter 3, verse 15. The Mormons typically such a study... Their standard response is to ask us to pray to God, promising that he will give an answer by way of, quote, a warm feeling in the heart. This is the wrong approach. If the Mormons won't supply their evidence, we have no common ground upon which to study with them. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our web page, if you've never been to it, is thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Find us on Facebook. Find us on YouTube. And uh, let us know if you have any questions or comments about anything you may have heard or if you'd like to suggest a topic or a question to be discussed in this format, in this forum. Questions at collegeview.com is the way you... Get in touch with us. We'd just like to hear you that you're out there. If you just want to send us an email and tell us that you're listening, we'd appreciate hearing from you. Questions at collegeview.com. Uh, all right. So we're talking about the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath day. Uh, should we be keeping them? And we already got response today that said, yes, we ought to be keeping the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath day. We're saying, actually, no, because those were part of a law given to Moses for the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. It never intended to be permanent. It has been replaced. We live under the New Testament of Jesus Christ. It is this new covenant that was promised by prophecy. Jeremiah promised it, and Jesus delivered it. We live under a new covenant. But I, I, I cannot stress enough that we are not saying, go out and kill people, go out and commit adultery. We understand that the concepts and the principles of the Ten Commandments are repeated, repeated in many instances verbatim in the New Testament, at least in principle, if not verbatim, all the concepts of the Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament, with the exception of the Sabbath law. All right. Well, you, you got a problem with that uh, approach, because Jesus kept the Ten Commandments, 
and you're telling me I shouldn't live like Jesus lived. I got a, I got, you know, I might have a problem with some somebody telling me something like that. Well, the fact of the matter is, Jesus lived by all of the Old Testament law of Moses. He was a he was a Jew living under the time in which the law of Moses was still in force. Remember, we said from Colossians two fourteen that those ordinances weren't taken out of the way until they were nailed to his cross. Yep. And so, literally, for his entire life. Jesus lived under the law of Moses. Okay. And he lived sinlessly. He lived perfectly. So he would have kept the law of Moses because that was the law of God that pertained to him. He would have kept it flawlessly. But now you got to be careful. I mean, we believe that and accept that and honor that, but it was nailed to his cross, Colossians 2.14. If you don't accept that and you say, well, we ought to be keeping the Ten Commandments because Jesus did, then you're going to have to also, money. you're going to have to start carrying in your animal sacrifices because he did that too yeah if we're going to say we're going to do it because jesus did it as far as the law of moses went we've got animal sacrifices to do we've got to keep the passover we've got to keep the feast of weeks the feast of booths we've got all these other aspects of the law of moses that have to be kept too we can't just pick and choose because the bible new you, testament i was with that. you not too long ago and i saw you eating pork barbecue and you're going to have to give that up, too, because the dietary laws would also right. pertain. And so uh, if you're going to make that argument, you get a, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to accept it's the full. It's all or nothing. Full, that's right. You're going to have to accept the full consequence of it. And not only the, the requirements, but also the penalties for yeah. violating the law yeah. as well. Those penalties yeah. are stiff. Yeah. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about penalties here in a minute. But clearly the fact that Jesus kept the Ten Commandment law of Moses we agree. We agree completely. But the scripture says he nails it to the cross. Okay. Uh, now, here the argument, this is a little bit more technical argument, Jacob. Some people want to say that what Jesus nailed to his cross was the ceremonial law of Moses. And that's what regulated the feast days and the priests and their garments and their activities. Uh, that that there was this was constituted a ceremonial of Moses. And Jesus did abolish that. But what remained was the moral law, and the moral law was was comprised within the Ten Commandments themselves. And so there was a ceremonial law of Moses that Jesus did take out of the way, nailed to his cross. But there was a moral law that that remained, and that was that was constant. And that Jesus did not abolish the moral law that was included in the Ten Commandments. You said it was a technical argument. I would argue that it's sort of a fabricated argument. Yeah. Because I, I, there's no distinction made in any part of the law, a ceremonial, moral, or any other kind of segment of the law. I think it's kind of a desperate appeal to try and answer the arguments that we're making tonight. But as you say, there's no place in the Old Testament where that distinction between ceremonial and moral is lined out. But here, I think, is the is the final nail in that coffin. It's back to that text in Colossians 2, that Jesus, uh, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Okay, now, therefore, verse 17 in particular uh, 16 and 17. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon. Now those were, those would be part of that so-called ceremony. If you could prove it and you can't, if there was a distinction between ceremonial and moral, then those things would be in that ceremonial section according to what they claim. All right. The meat, the drink, the respect of holy days, the new moon. But it goes on and says, or of the Sabbath days. Yeah. That, that would be part of what they claim is the moral 
part of the yeah. law of Moses. Right. So Jesus nailed this to his cross. Therefore, what did he take out of the way? Well, he took it all out of the way. Yeah. And if you could, I don't think you can, but if you could make this distinction between ceremonial and moral, Colossians 2, 14 through 17 says he took it all out of the way, including aspects that they want to call the moral parts of the law of Moses. All right. Uh, how would you make that distinction? I mean, there, since there is no distinction made, where do we draw? Where would you draw the line? Maybe I say the Sabbath day was a ceremonial part of the law. Well, they don't. They don't. That's the part. That's the part. Yeah, but where would you draw the line? Yeah. But you would think logically the Sabbath day would be more of a ceremonial part. I would think. Yeah. I guess that you just draw the line wherever you want to since you're, I mean, since it's a made up line. It's not, yeah. I don't, I I didn't, I didn't like the part about the, uh, you know, the, uh, some of the food and not eating the pork. I'll call that ceremonial. Yeah. I like the part about not killing, so I'll call that moral. Yeah. Yeah. The but Sabbath you, sort of gets in my way sometimes, so I'll call that ceremonial. If you think about it, as you read through the Law of Moses, the whole Law of Moses, there's a whole lot of moral precepts taught besides what's in the Ten Commandments. Sure. There's all sorts of uh, sexual regulations Laws and other incest yeah. and rape and all that sort of thing are are in the Law of Moses, not contained in the yeah. Ten Commandments. Um, so it's it's a it's a it's a false distinction. But even if you could make it stand, Colossians two fourteen through seventeen ruins the argument. Okay, so that doesn't work. All right. So again, another argument. Someone says, "Well, but the Sabbath in its, the Sabbath in particular was identified as being perpetual." Aha. Uh-huh. If uh, Exodus thirty one verse sixteen, wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. Well. In, in commenting on that verse, notice he's talking about the children of Israel. We're not. We're not children of Israel, not, not the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So even if they were to, this still wouldn't apply to us unless we, as you said earlier, Monty, unless we proselyted to that religion because we're not in that line of descendancy. Ah. Uh, but notice it was throughout their generations a perpetual, gen, uh, perpetual covenant. Now, that terminology in English suggests to us that it would never end. I mean, clearly those wor- those English words suggest without end. Right. But the Hebrew words from which they come do not suggest that. They suggest something like age-lasting or th- throughout their generations. Throughout their generations. Uh, let me show you a similar usage. Also, just one chapter earlier in Exodus chapter 30, verse 8. When Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So it says that the incense burning in the tabernacle would be also perpetual, but it says throughout their generations. And again, the Hebrew would suggest the idea of an age-lasting covenant throughout their generations. But obviously the incense is not burning on the altar in the tabernacle. That that tabernacle is long gone, the temple's long gone, the altar of incense is long gone, and incense has not been burning perpetually. And so it, just practical observation proves that the word meaning there does not mean never-ending. Well, okay, I see your point, but there's a problem here, because I go back early in the Bible to Genesis chapter 2, and it says on in verse 2, on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then the Lord blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had made, had created and made. 
He blessed the seventh day and sanctified it all the way back there in the week of creation. Well, so that tells us what? Maybe this is something that should be going on forever? He didn't give us any commands when he says he blessed it and sanctified it. We don't really know what necessarily what that involves, but he didn't say because I've blessed it and sanctified it that man throughout his generations is going to do no work on it or anything like that. It just com- comments that God gave it a significance. You know, I think that's the right observance, Monty. A lot of people say the Sabbath goes back to creation. But actually, there was no Sabbath command until it was given, In as we read earlier, in Exodus 16. It was first commanded by God to Israel on Mount Sinai. And so this argument that the Sabbath predated Moses is not true. You can't find it being commanded of anyone until it was commanded of the uh, of the Jews, of the Hebrews, in the law of Moses, and it was said to be a part of the sign of the covenant. Exodus 16 actually was for when they were collecting the manna. Yeah, but he had to he, when he gave them the instruction. It was uh, some. It seemed to be a foreign instruction. He had to explain to them how this thing was going to work. They weren't supposed to work, and he didn't just say, "Hey, you remember tomorrow's the Sabbath day." Don't be collecting any man. We've always been we've always been yeah. keeping. You remember the back there, Adam and Eve were doing this. They didn't work on Saturday. No, he gave it to them, and he said in Exodus sixteen verse twenty three, he said to them, "This is that which the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake ye what you will bake today, and seed ye what you will seed, and that which remaineth lay up uh, for you uh, to be kept until the morning." And um, he said in verse twenty five, "Eat that today, for t- today is a Sabbath unto the Lord." Uh, today you shall not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath in it, there shall be none. Uh, and then he goes on and explains it to them more in, in Exodus chapter 16. Yeah. Uh, in Exodus 31, verse 17, again, it says that the Sabbath specifically was a sign of the covenant between God and the nation of Israel. And Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12, the commentary there in Ezekiel 20, verse 12 says, Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that I, they may know that I am the Lord they, that sanctify them. It was a sign and a covenant between the Lord and the children of Israel. It wasn't something that the Gentiles were keeping. It wasn't an expectation of them. If it had been something the Gentiles were to keep, I mean, if it hadn't been something from the day of creation, Monty, then the Gentiles should have been keeping that because there was no distinction between Jew and Gentile uh, prior to Abraham. Well, they they would have been keeping it, and they, he wouldn't have had to explain it to them. As you mentioned right. a minute ago, they would have already known it would just have been a reminder. Yeah. Also in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 13 and 14, it tells that God gave the Sabbath on Mount Sinai. So the Sabbath wasn't something that man had the authority yeah. to observe until it was I given think on that's Mount a Sinai. really good passage and Jeff in the chat room mentions I think if you don't have this marked in your Bible you need to mark Nehemiah 9 13 and 14 thou camest down upon Mount Sinai and spakest with them from heaven gavest them right judgments and true laws good statutes and commandments and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commandest them precepts statutes and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant they didn't know about the Sabbath until he made it known to them on Mount Sinai. And so this argument, well, the Sabbath observance goes all the way back to creation week. That's not true. It's, it's just not borne out in the scriptures. 877-381-4567. Time for our last break. And when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. When did this observance begin? Who was it for? And are there any other things that we should consider as we consider this idea of keeping the Sabbath 
What was its purpose? What were some of the rules and the penalties for violating the Sabbath? And uh, when should we be worshiping today? Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that he has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College of Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A survey of evangelical pastors found that only 25% of their church's membership attend a Bible study or small group at least twice a month. The range was 11% to a maximum of 40%. This means that in a typical evangelical church, over 75% of the people do not go to Bible study or small group studies. That information is via Thy Word Ministries. The Word of God says in Acts 17 verse 11, The Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3.17. Now back to the program. We're back as we go to the top of the hour talking about the Ten Commandments and specifically now the Sabbath day. What do we know about the Sabbath day? We got a, a couple of emails from Aaron. I think he's here in Tennessee. And Aaron, I think uh, he, he sent an email about the ceremonial versus the moral aspects of the law of Moses. I'm not sure he understood the argument that we were trying to deal with there. Uh, so, Aaron, if you have a question about that, I, I hope we explained that. But uh, your comment wasn't exactly uh, in line with the question that we we intended to answer there. So if you, if you have some need some clarification on that, send me an email. Um, Let's let's go on and talk about the penalties for breaking the Sabbath law. Okay. You know, if if we're gonna if we're gonna say that the law still is in force, it seems to me, Monty, that you'd have to say that the penalty for breaking the law would also be enforced. What first of all, what were some of the rules? Okay. Exodus 20, verse 9, no work. Exodus 16, verse 23, no cooking. Exodus 35, verse 3, build no fires. Jeremiah 17, verse 21, bear no burdens. Nehemiah 10, verse 31, no buying or selling. Okay. Now, if the Sabbath law is still in force, then you'd have to do that too. Yeah, if you're going to follow the Sabbath, it's not just uh, make it up, what you make up the Sabbath in whatever image you want it to be. It would have to be following the rules that were set forth. You know, I was studying with some Seventh-day Adventists one time, and they said, well, our understanding of that, or the way they took it, I believe is the phrase they used, was that just meant not doing anything to make money. Well, okay, even if it meant that. 
Well, it, buying it, doesn't make money. If selling does, but well, buying what, doesn't. What, what, I, what they was getting at is we're just not going to do any uh, labor on a job on the Sabbath day, but they could still go out and do other kinds of work like building a fire or cooking or chopping wood, whatever, just not anything that's going to make money. Yeah. Huh. Well, in the, in, the, in the book of Numbers, there was a man who just went out and gathered up sticks. I should have written down that reference. I don't have it right here. He just went out and gathered up sticks to build a fire. And he was stoned to life. death. That was the penalty. Yeah, actually, I do have this reference. Numbers 15, beginning verse 32. We don't have time to read it all, Jacob. But a man just went out to build a fire, gather up a few sticks to build a fire, and he was stoned yeah. to death. God was that was the penalty this. for yeah. violating the Sabbath law. If the law is still enforced, then you're going to have to follow the rules. And it, even if it meant no working so as so far as to make money, that means you're gonna not, you can't work on Saturday. You can't take any overtime. Everybody willing to accept this? No work on the Sabbath day, no building fires, no cooking, no burden bearing, no buying or selling. And if you break that law, you will be penalized by death. Uh, all those who suggest we should be keeping the Sabbath law have got to deal with that. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think there is a good answer. I hope our wives weren't listening to this no cooking <laughs> on Saturday. They might be for that. Yeah. All right. So certainly, uh, um, a uh, if you're gonna say we've got to keep the Sabbath, then you need to keep the rules associated with it, and it would go to the reason that you'd also want to keep the penalty for those who violated. All right. One more argument in, in defense of keeping the Old Testament law of Moses, keeping the Sabbath days. Uh, we're saying it's all been abolished. Yeah. We still honor and and keep nine of the ten principles of the Old Testament because they're repeated in the New Testament. That's why we do them, not because they're ten commandments, because they're repeated in the New Testament. <clears throat> but what about the Apostle Paul, he, great, the great Apostle Paul? He, I mean, you read through the book of Acts, and he was just constantly going to the synagogues on the Sabbath day, and he was preaching the gospel. Wouldn't that establish a practice, even an apostolic example? Well, we're supposed to follow Paul's example. Yeah. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I'll give you an example from Acts 17, beginning verse 16. While Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore, he disputed in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily and with them that met him. I think actually that verse explains what Paul was doing. He would go anywhere to meet people and talk to them about Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he did it every day. He, he did it in, uh, in the synagogue with the Jews. No doubt on the Sabbath day, with the devout persons and in the market daily, with them that met with him. Uh, he was stirred in his spirit to preach the gospel, and he did. The Apostle Paul was just, he was going where people were, who were in, inclined to listen, and he would teach them the gospel. But that does not establish that his practice was to observe the Old Testament what law. What about when they took him to the Areopagus there and what was going on? Does that mean we should be worshiping he, idols? Well, he, yeah, he even went where the idols were worshipped, but he always was just looking for to preach the gospel. Same, we might say that we might be wanting to teach Muslims, Monty. We might go to the mosque at the time of prayer, not because we're engaged, but because that's where our audience might be. You know, just like we was talking, about, like I mentioned a minute ago about Seventh Day Adventist, maybe we would go there on a Sabbath day or the seventh day. 
because that's where they were gathered at in a religious observance. We could have a religious discussion with them during that time. Maybe. Okay. All right. Jeff in the chat room says, since Seventh-day Adventists worship on Saturday, do they take up a contribution as part of their worship? If so, would that mean their church was making money on the Sabbath? <laughs> kind of, kind well, of like catching them coming and going there. It would be a violation of First Corinthians chapter 16 when they were told to do this on the first day of the week. Yeah, well, let's well, we'll we got that. that we're going to get that here in a minute. Let's just summarize real quickly. The question asked, do we need to keep the Ten Commandments and specifically the Sabbath day? And our answer is no. It is no because the Ten Commandments were part of the covenant God gave to Israel, not to us. That covenant was never intended to be permanent. It has been taken out of the way. It's been replaced with a new covenant revealed in the New Testament of Jesus Christ. We keep the we keep the principles of the Ten Commandments because not because they're Ten Commandments because they're repeated in the New Testament. With the exception of the Sabbath Day Law, the Fourth Commandment is not repeated in the New Testament. Therefore, we do not honor the Sabbath requirement. Jesus kept the Ten Commandments and all of the Law of Moses because that's the law he lived under. But he nailed it to his cross. Colossians two verse fourteen. Um, there's no distinction between a ceremonial or moral aspect of the Old Testament Law of Moses. That distinction is arbitrary and made up. But even if you could make that argument, Colossians two fourteen through seventeen destroys the argument. Uh, <clears throat> And so we've basically just answered the question, no, Jacob, we are not to keep the Ten Commandments and the, the Sabbath law. All right. I think it's very clear that we're part of that uh, ministry of death uh, written on tablets of stone. And uh, we're no longer uh, bound by the Old Testament covenant. All right. So finally, our last question was, what is, how did I word it? Uh, what is the authorized day of worship for Christians? Yeah, what is the authorized day of worship for Christians? All right. We got an email from Aaron. Yep. And he said, uh, according to Acts 2, 46 and 47, we're authorized to worship on every day. All right. I uh, would agree with you, Aaron. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for that comment. I think that's a clarification that we need to make. We're not saying that you couldn't worship, honor, uh, praise, glorify God on any day. And in Acts 2, verse 46, they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house to eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So should can I pray on any day? Can I sing psalms on any day? Can I study my Bible? Can I offer honor and glory? To God on yes 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 of course we're uh, uh, and I hope nobody would have assumed otherwise that we would teach otherwise but there are a couple aspects of worshiping God that are specified to be done all week and those involve observing the Lord's Supper and making a contribution to to the Lord's work yes and and in Acts chapter uh, twenty and verse seven. We have this example. It's an apostolic example because Paul was in their presence upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. Paul preached unto them. It was it, the way that's written is it doesn't specify it was a specific first day of the week. It it's clearly indicates money. The the wording of that suggests that this was their ongoing practice. It was the normal thing for them to come together on the first day of the week to observe the Lord's Supper. That's right. And, you know, we can understand that in other aspects of our life. If we're told when we go to work that payday is on Friday, we expect to get a paycheck every Friday. So we understand that. 
it's the same principle that it says when they came together on the first day of the week that they that was their normal practice on the first day of the week they expected that they were going to go for worship. Exactly right. All right. Uh, and, and and that's and I thank Aaron for his clarification uh, that we could on any day. Uh, even come together for the purposes of prayer and study and praise and so forth. But in regards to the the day on which we observe the Lord's Supper, when we come together for that purpose, and when we're together and make a contribution, 1 Corinthians 16, beginning verse 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, upon the first day of every week, or excuse me, on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. Which again suggests this was the day they normally came together, but on that day they were commanded to make a contribution to lay by in store. Uh, and so those would be two elements of worship that specifically are identified to be performed on the first day of the week. Yeah. And I think these, these clarify to us that it's not the seventh day, it's not the Sabbath day, it's the first day of the week that is the, the is the unique day of Christian worship. Not the only day that you could do certain aspects, but it's the only day in which you could do all five aspects of worship. And under, it's, and it's, but it is not the Christian Sabbath, and it's not. It hadn't just been changed from Saturday to Sunday. That those rules regarding the Sabbath that you shouldn't cook, you shouldn't buy and sell, you shouldn't do work on Sunday, or, or on Saturday, or now that's the rules on Sunday. Those rules aren't reiterated. Yeah, I think that's a good point of clarification because a lot of times you hear people saying Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. That's not biblical. That statement's never made in the scriptures. And the implication would be, and and of course, you know, people were a little more emphatic about this in times past, but not with Bible basis. You shouldn't work on Sunday. Well, I think Sunday should be a special day to us, Mm -hmm. you know. But if, you know, I get a flat tire on Sunday... I'll probably change it on Sunday. Yeah. You know, there's some work that I might do on Sunday. It's not forbidden. Yeah. I think it should be a special day to us, and we should respect that day, especially uh, make it special in regards to the time that we devote to worship and so forth. But it's not the Christian Sabbath, and that that concept is something that man invented. It's nowhere mentioned in the Scripture. Aaron makes another argument. We're about out of time, so we'll hit it quickly. He says, I believe these verses, he references Acts 2, verses 46 and 47. I believe these verses reveal that they spent time together daily and even shared the Lord's Supper. A word study supports this. Even the Amplified Bible makes it plain that this included the Lord's Supper. But even if one were to believe that the breaking of bread was just a common meal, verse 47 says that the people were constantly praising God. We agree with that. But uh, the, verse the, 47 ver, is not talking verse about the Lord's si- Verse 46 is not the, the the breaking of bread in verse 46 is not the Lord's Supper because they were doing it from house to house. And they were uh, eating their uh, meals with gladness and singleness of heart or simplicity of heart. Yeah, that's that's clearly a reference verse to 46. them sharing their common meals together, right. whereas verse uh, 42 they, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Yep. The breaking of bread, that expression, breaking of bread, is used in two ways. And you've got to let the context bear out uh, which way is being referenced. And in verse 42, it's talking about the Lord's Supper. And in verse 46, it's talking about uh, the common meals that they shared with one another. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, we are out of time. Uh, Monty, any closing thoughts? Well, we just need to make sure that if we're going to be living as Christians, that we're following the New Testament pattern. 
and that exclusively and not trying to bind other things that's not included there because the as we've studied tonight the old testament's been done away with it it was christ fulfilled it he nailed it to his cross and it's not for us okay all right thank you for being here monty thank you glad that you were able to join us dad thanks jacob good discussion tonight. thank you for your time and thank you for joining us hope you benefited from our study and discussion of god's word again we welcome you to comment at any time questions at collegeview.com is the way you contact us. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, in the Columbia, Tennessee area. We encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The Co-